Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order with code RESTful15. So head to bollnbranch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by RJ Starcevic and driver and team owner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Martins. And welcome back to another episode of the Drivers Meeting Podcast. RJ Starsevic here with Tommy Joe Martins. As always, no guests today, but we got an interesting show coming up for you as we hop out of the Richmond weekend. Looking forward to Talladega Super Speedway. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. So head online to the website BetOnline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So uh, this weekend at Richmond, a lot of people had some opinions on the racing uh, that we saw. We had a truck race, which was very eventful. Um, lots of incidents, lots of cautions, um, accidents. And then you had the cup race, uh, which was a little less eventful as, you know, as usual at Richmond, you don't see as many um, incident cautions besides the stages that we have and maybe the competition yellow. Um, but you know, the truck, I mean, we got to see very different races this weekend, um, from Saturday to Sunday, just a crash filled truck race to a less filled, uh, crash filled race on Sunday. So are, are, are you a guy that kind of enjoyed, uh, you know, the race Sunday at Richmond kind of neutral about it? What were your thoughts? Yeah, so like one of the things I, I use as a gauge, and I don't think this is probably the truest gauge, I'm sure he would tell you, is Jeff Gluck on Twitter. He does a was it a good race poll every week. I feel like it is the most um, clicked on thing when it comes to voicing just a real basic opinion of did you like the race or not. And I thought it was a pretty good race on Sunday. I guess I'm, I'm one of the one of the 52% that said that it was a good race and that blew me away because I thought that was a pretty good short track race. Um, I believe there were five cautions as they call it. There were only three natural cautions, right? Because you have the two stage breaks. Uh, guess what, man, these guys are really good. It's the cup series. There should be fewer cautions in the cup series. What do we want? Is that what we want? We just want a bunch of, because here's the thing. I saw people complaining about the truck series Going, oh my gosh, lack of talent down here in the truck series, crashes all the time, can't make it 10 laps without wrecking. Okay, so there's that. And then here's the opposite, where you barely have any cautions, and then everybody says that's snooze fest. All right, what is the realistic thing here? A shorter race. I think I don't think it needs to be a 400-lap race at Richmond. I don't think that needs to happen. I think it needs to realistically be about a 300-lap race. That would push the tempo on this a little bit. 
and would probably avoid some of those lulls. Like the Xfinity race there is a 250-lap race. I always think it's a pretty good race. Uh, but it's realistic to think that in the Cup Series, I mean, you're, of course, you're going to have fewer cautions. These, these guys ought to be the best in the world at what they're doing. And I would hope they're going to run into less stuff, RJ. Yeah. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. You know, a, a short track race, you know, and I feel like it's it's two sides of the spectrum here with with fans. Um, you know, they want lesser of the artificial stuff, which, you know, I support in the racing, just more playing out racing, right? We go to Richmond, we get flat out racing, right? Long runs, you know, cars going lap down, you know, some yeah. strategy here. There wasn't as much strategy, but there was strategy. You know, I feel like the Brad Kozlowski call that they had. Yeah, I was going to say, ask the two about that. To the broadcast. <laughs> but I honestly, I honestly would have felt better if that race would have went green to the end instead of that latest race restart because we were gearing yeah. up for Logano versus Hamlin to the finish, right? Yeah. And yeah. Hamlin was beating Oliver's bumper. And I'm like, okay, you know, if we're gonna have this long green flag race, right? Why not why doesn't, you know, why not have it end in a long green flag run? You know, two of the guys that had a storied rivalry, you know, at a short track. I was gearing up for that finish, but I had no problem with the with the late race restart as well because Alex Bowman was flying uh towards the end of that race. And he shot out of a cannon and took the win. And I mean, it's crazy that Denny Hamlin has had so many dominant runs this season. I mean, he's the points leader. He's winning points by a huge margin because he's won a ton of stages, um, but hasn't been able to seal the deal. And another one, Kevin Harvick had a top five run going pretty much all day. Um, and then that late race yellow was a cut tire on the four car slams the wall. So um, they ended up finishing probably, I believe, outside the top 20. So what looked like it was going to be a good points day, but a lot, a lot of interesting storylines to to come out of the weekend as well. But to your point and to the main point was that I, I did enjoy the the Richmond race this weekend. I thought it was just nice, natural, short track race, long run strategy. And that's what I expected uh, coming into the race. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, you said you did as well. Yeah, probably just a little on the long side. I mean, that's all. But guess what? I've been beating this drum for a while. I mean, I, I'm a believer that Cup Series races should be around that 300 mile, 300 lap mark for the majority of the races, except for the big feature races that we have in a season. Daytona 500, Talladega 500, if you want to do it. Bristol Night Race, if you want to do a big one. Okay, cool. You know, 400 miles at, you know, Indianapolis. I don't know what we got going on in Indianapolis now, but, but <laughs> I mean, there was Coke 600, right? Uh, if we want to do a championship race, that's a 500 miler. I, I understand all of these things, right? But I think the average Sunday afternoon cup race should probably be around that 300 mile mark. And, and that's really where the Xfinity series is. And I feel like that that's really a, a pretty nice sweet spot. It's a good distance. The race is going to be done in around two hours. I think it's going to put on a good show. And, and really what you see in Xfinity is that there's not a lot of waiting around. Same thing in these truck. The truck races are probably a little too short. I don't think anybody would want that, right? We probably wouldn't want a 200 lap race at Richmond for a cup race. But I think 300 is probably a pretty good spot for, for that type of racetrack. Yeah, I think I think that's a good uh, reasonable uh, kind of in between. Maybe that's why the Xfinity series is. Well, there's a lot of factors why the Xfinity series has been taken off lately. Uh, we, we love the Xfinity series. but one, one more thing about Richmond and that I noticed on the broadcast, they were talking a lot about pit road and they were showing a lot of the pit road stats, the pit road times. This was something that I saw on Twitter about a week ago. And it made me wonder, like, 
why aren't these like i wish we could go back every week and there would be a statistic page of like the pit road times who's pit crews the best and i am really glad that fox showed that because i think that's an interesting statistic because nascar isn't only the driver right you can blow your whole race if you're you know if the pit crew makes a mistake i know you've said time and time again how much your team has really kind of exceeded this year and done very well on pit road and i'm sure a lot of other teams uh feel the same way and there's other teams that have maybe been hurt on pit road so i really would enjoy if that like statistic was put out there kind of more on like a widespread basis to fans to show you know to, to just further elaborate on the fact that it's you know not only just the driver you got the pit the pit road uh crew too as well i would love to see that so i i would yeah. i really enjoyed what fox showed this week and hopefully they can like kind of expand on that as well i would love to see that yeah i think probably like an average pit stop time yeah. and, and you could you obviously the qualifier being here a four tire fuel pit stop right yeah. i mean because that's what we're judging this off of and so anything kind of wonky off of that where we're doing adjustments, where we're checking something under the car, where we're, you know, doing two tires or whatever. Okay, throw that all out. But some version of like an apples to apples comparison. And here's the key here, RJ, is you want to compare in the box time, right? So like from when the car stops to when the car leaves the box, because that's a reflection of the pit crew. Everything else on pit road, if you said pit road time, well, that's also a reflection of me, the driver, right? Getting on a pit road, running the maximum speed that I can into the box as quickly as I can do it while still stopping the car in the right spot, accelerating out of the box as hard as I can, running the lights the whole way down. And you go, well, that's not that big of a deal. Well, let me tell you, Kyle Busch is pretty good at it. Kyle Busch gains at it every single time, getting on and off pit road. And so they show those a lot, RJ, right? Anytime there's a green flag pit cycle, they talk about the in and out laps, uh, like in Formula One. Well, they, they've done that in, in NASCAR as well. I would like to see some isolated stats with that as well, where you had driver line-to-line -line time. That would probably be interesting, right? Yeah. Where you add that up and average it. And then also, and, and look, this, some of this is going to be a little skewed, right? Because some guy might be coming down there and just they're rolling to the back of the garage. Like, they don't care. <laughs> so he's going to be lagging around. And some guys are going to be like battling for one spot on the racetrack to, to lead the field to a restart. But it would still be an interesting kind of like isolated stat if we could do that. I agree. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I would be all for it. So we're going to jump forward to Talladega and something that you mentioned you want to talk about and it said on Twitter so people might know. Um, the Another big storyline of yesterday is Jennifer Jo Cobb uh, was entered or, you know, thought she was entered into the Cup Series race. Um, you know, they basically come out and say that she isn't eligible uh, to race. And this is actually something that we had just talked to James Davison about. Remember when he um, was deemed ineligible to race uh, the race at Talladega that he was trying to enter because they thought he didn't have an experience. So this is something you've actually mentioned on the podcast before. And, you know, some people have talked about is having a license for the Cup Series, kind of a license program. So kind of elaborate on uh, what you were talking about there. Yeah, and I, and I mentioned this yesterday, right? And and the, the disappointing part about this is that it just seems to be a continual moving target for everybody, all right? And we're going to throw some names around here, and I don't want any of this to come across as this person sucks at driving, all right? So let me, let me just put this on the front end of all this. All I can do is evaluate the licensing process for what it is. Now, my initial 
dip into the waters of the NASCAR licensing process was 2014. Really, that that was my first real understanding of uh, this doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. 2009, I ran some truck series races. Uh, that was really my first time in NASCAR. And the understanding was that I needed to progress up the speedway levels, essentially. Yeah. You get approved for a truck license based on uh, your other experience and other forms of motorsports. I had been running ASA at the time, so I got approved on a short track. I ran ORP. I got approved up to Nashville. I actually wrecked at Nashville. <laughs> but they looked at the film and they were like, look, you've been running fine. Somebody came next to you and took the air off your door. It's not really on you. There's nothing you could have really done. You were good. All right. Ran Chicago land, ran fine. And then they approved me up for, for good after that. Now I took some time off, right? I wound up running some ARCA steps, some late miles, kind of bouncing around, but I had still been racing. It's not like I hadn't been racing. I'd been racing late models uh, at the national fairgrounds. I'd run ARCA. I ran a truck race in, in 2012. You know, so I'd, I'd been staying in a car. And so in 2014, we did our Xfinity program where we were going to try to run Martin's Motorsports out of Nashville. And so I approved for a license. Now, remember, I had run ARCA at Daytona twice already and finished in the top 15 both times. <laughs> All right. Uh, I applied for my Xfinity Speedway license at Daytona and they declined me. They would not allow me to race. Daytona, they said that, you know, we, we haven't seen you compete in the Xfinity series. And I was like, well, I'm fully approved for speedways and trucks. And I've already run ARCAD at Daytona twice. And they were like, no, you're out. Now, at the same time, Dylan Kwasniewski was getting into the series and he had been the K&N champion at the time. Never ran trucks, but was going to make the jump from K&N to Xfinity. He had Rockstar Energy as a sponsor. He was going to drive for Turner Motorsports. Well, okay. He applied to run Xfinity at Daytona and they said, yeah, just run the ARCA race. And I was like, well, I'd run the ARCA race twice. But he got approved based off the ARCA race. That I'm, I, and look, I can't remember. That's a long time ago. And that's mm -hmm. something that I barely cared about in the moment. But it's something that stuck with me of like, well, okay, so if, you, if that was the bar, I felt like I had crossed the bar and they were like, well, you haven't done it in a few years. It's like, all right, well, still, like I, if I had the money, I would have rented an ARCA ride. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't have the money. We were trying to start an Xfinity team. So it seems like it was a little bit of a moving target and it feels like we're still there. And, and I'm just going to bring up a couple of guys that have been brought up in this, you know, uh, a few a few different times now. Quinn Half ran basically the, the minimum amount of races that you could run to get approved for a Cup Series license. Blake Jones, a, a guy that I knew from BJ McLeod Motorsports, and he flat out said, I have a sponsor that wants me to go Cup racing. I got, I got to get to Cup. All I'm trying to do is get through the minimum Xfinity races so they'll approve me to Cup, and then we're going Cup racing. Okay, well, Blake Jones did it. Blake Jones hadn't run in a while. Right? And so then... I, I, here's another one, Bailey Curry, a guy that I think is a good driver. Bailey would probably tell you like, yeah, I probably didn't have enough on my resume to go to cup when I went to cup. Like I was just trying to drive whatever I was driving for. I was working for the team. Okay. So if we do this and we say, well, you know, you have, to, you have to have had a certain amount of time in NASCAR to be able to make it to the cup series. All right. Well, th those guys didn't. And Jennifer Joe 
in this weekend, if we look at it as just a participation requirement of you have to make X many laps in a car and been in the sport for a long time, well, Jennifer has done that. And you want to argue about performance, and I understand it. Like I saw a stat that was like 11 lead lap finishes and 200-something starts. Okay, that's not a great stat. Now, Jennifer, as we know, pretty underfunded team. So I'm going to give her a little bit of benefit of the doubt here. She at least has been in a car quite a bit regularly this year even. Okay, so the idea that Jennifer, and I heard, uh, and not to throw somebody else in the mix here, (laughs) but I heard Corey LaJoy talking about this today on NASCAR radio where he was talking about how he felt like Jennifer wouldn't Jennifer realistically wouldn't be coming into this race trying to go up there and lead the race yeah like right she's not going to try to drive the Rick Ware car up there to p1 and and put herself in a position where you know where she would look bad on TV like she's not doing that she's just trying to make laps she's got a sponsor it was an opportunity yeah you apply for it and based on the way that cup licenses have been handed out over the last several years, then I feel like Jennifer should have been approved. Yes, I do feel that way. Now, at the same time, I can sit there and say, I think there's probably a bunch of people that shouldn't be approved for cup licenses, including Jennifer. Because if we did it based on a pure merit, pure results-based just like the super license in FIA, where they basically say, okay, you have to have X amount of points on your license over a three-year period. We award the points based off performance in these other championships, or in my opinion, based off of like continuity running in the series, right? I think that could be another thing, right? Where if you have three or four years worth of experience, that there, there's probably a metric there where you know time equals performance right so like you want to amend for a guy like william byron coming in there and just kicking butt for like a year and winning seven races like that that person should be able to go straight to cup right i don't care yeah that's fine Uh, you know a streaking comment like that we should we should account for that but at the same time like i think garrett smithley should be able to go to cup as well where if you've spent three or four years now in xfinity as a mid-pack driver you've got multiple top tens you finished in the top 20 in the points down there a few times You've proven that you're fine. Well, then what's to say you can't go out there and drive in a Rick Ware car like or, or any car in the Cup Series for that matter? So uh, there, there has to be a little bit of a give and take on this, but I do think that a clear, designed, public way of getting to Cup is totally fine. Like There is not one driver that would have a problem with that. Just tell us what the rules are. I hear so many people get upset at drivers that run in the cup series because they go, Oh, what do they do belonging up here? Look, these are the participation requirements as they are right now. This is where it takes to get a cup license. They did it. They're up there. They have a sponsor and they're running. Why are we getting mad at them for doing what the rules are? Now, if they made the rules more stringent, if they said, look, you have to finish in the whatever in the playoffs of the Xfinity series or the truck series, you know, for multiple seasons in a row or make the final four, whatever to be able to apply for a cup license all right well i think that would probably be a little over the top but if they did that at least everybody would understand what it is yeah right and and in a way it would kind of ensure that everybody racing in the cup series on sunday is a at least 
understood brand of having success at the lower levels, which is what NASCAR really wants, right? And that's not me talking crap right here, guys. It's, I'm just saying, like, NASCAR does want the Cup Series to be elite. And the marketing and and the the kind of the, you know, the name recognition of the drivers in the Cup Series to matter, right? And does that hurt a guy like, and I'm picking on my buddy Garrett here. Yeah, like Garrett's not a household name. Now, now I think NASCAR fans know Garrett. But he's not a household name for success at the lower levels. Again, a lot of other circumstances going into this <laughs> for that. He's driving for Johnny Davis. He's not driving for junior motorsports, right? So that's the part of this that I don't love is if we went to a completely merit-based thing, well, then you're basically limiting it to only the type of drivers that can provide sponsorship to major teams at the lower levels because those are going to be the ones that have success, Right. Yeah. So I don't love that because that doesn't account for a guy. Here's a, here's a guy that's in the cup series doing very well. Everybody, anybody heard of Ryan priest? How's he doing? How's Ross Chastain doing? They're both doing pretty stinking good. Well, they were both driving for Johnny Davis at one point. So were they all of a sudden just remarkably more qualified because they got funding to go to a bigger team? Like, no, they were the same driver. They just got in a better car. So that's my nitpick with this is you got to have some version of like, yeah, if you're finishing in the top 20 of the Xfinity points or you're finishing in the top 20 of the, the truck series points, you know, chances are, even if you're on a, like a smaller underfunded team, you're probably beating a lot of the people in that group, at least that you're racing with. You're probably proving something. So maybe it's something, and, and it sounds like I'm scratching my own back here because we did that last year, but I'm really not. I just think there needs to be some version of an accountant's for like somebody that's overachieving on a smaller team, we sh we should be able to allow him or her to get a cup license or at least apply. And here's the part of this. I know I'm ranting here for a little bit, but here's the part of this that I think really becomes the talking point and can really smooth over all of this, right? So you should be able to have these requirements. They're laid out and all of this stuff to, to apply, right? Just to apply, if you have fulfilled these requirements, you can apply to a license. But I think the decision should be made by a driver board in the Cup Series. It should be one driver from the top 12 in points, one driver from the next 12, and one driver from the next 12. Because the chances are, at that point, one of those three will have at least raced with that person, right? So like if Martin Truex did a board meeting on me, Martin Truex didn't know a damn thing about me. And I don't really expect him to. I get it. We're not really racing each other. And if he's in Xfinity, he's racing the guys that are at the front of the field in Xfinity, right? Like we're racing for 15th. He's racing for first. I get it. But now if BJ McLeod was in the board meeting of the three of them, then BJ would be like, look, I've raced against this guy a whole lot, right? So you would probably get at least one voice in there that would have known the driver. And now you can make an informed competitive decision on whether or not it happens. So it's a two-part process. Clearly laid out guidelines that everybody has to fulfill, both performance and duration. So like a guy like Anthony Alfredo that performed well, I would tell Anthony right to his face, no, I think you need to stay in the, in the series longer than that, right? Now he got an opportunity and he took it. He's doing fine. He's not a problem. I'm just saying, yeah, it looks a little better for the sport. 
if you force a kid like that to stay down in the lower levels a little longer, just to build up a little bit more name recognition. I think that's totally fine. I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. And as long as these guidelines are public and we all understand them going in, I don't think teams or drivers have a problem fulfilling them. And I actually think it would like lend a little bit to the fandom to understand like who's eligible to apply for a cup license. And that would be kind of a fun off-season storyline of like, ooh, okay, well, this person applied. And what you're really rooting for here, RJ, is that the pool of Cup Series drivers is like pretty small, right? Cup-approved drivers, just like in Formula One, like the list of Formula One-approved drivers, like as of today, it's under 50 drivers in the world. I know that for a fact. It might be under 40. What you're wanting is the Cup Series list to be really exclusive and like hard to, to get that license because that actually adds more value to me as a driver if I can obtain that license, right? So yeah. that makes you more valuable to team owners. There's only a few of them in the world that can do it. So that, I think that's good for the sport overall, everything. And I think th- this issue that happened with Jennifer Joe at Talladega, it's brought a lot of this kind of bubbling to the surface because it happened so publicly. Um, again, did NASCAR make a, deci- a decision there based on performance? And that's that's basically how they rated it. it. Was like, well, yeah, I know she's got a lot of experience, but the performance aspect of this wasn't there. Well, that's fine. I just think all of us need to know what that is going into it, rather than just you kind of discover it after you apply. Yeah. And that was something that I was thinking about too. You'd mentioned Anthony Alfredo and I was like, okay, now we know Anthony Alfredo's a wheel man. He's a good driver. Yeah. But if we're looking at requirements, if we had set requirements, like if you just look at Alfredo's resume without like knowing who it is, you know, okay. Like part-time Xfinity, you know, ran some races, part-time trucks, didn't really run a full-time season there. And now going to jump in for the Daytona 500. Like, you know, like we know, we know Anthony, we know he's a great driver, but, yeah. and that, that just brings it back to the point that, you know, do we need, we need less of these, okay, week to week decisions where it's like, okay, they sit down and they discuss and it, and it seems like, you know, some people are getting approved, some people aren't and it's weird, right? We just need more of a set system. And like you said, that'd be a fun thing for the off season. That'd be a fun thing for, you know, people, just fans, people like me as well, just to kind of keep track of, see who's applying for license, who's eligible for one, kind of just a set a more set list of requirements more than just kind of an ideology of what it is, right? Right. And, and what might happen here, and get ready, I'm probably going to make a lot of people mad here in the business, but here we go. So you have sponsors that just want to be in the Cup Series, right? So what might happen here is now all of a sudden they sit there and go, well, I really want to sponsor, let's fill in the blank, Tommy Joe Martins, right? Okay. But now Tommy Joe Martins, because of a competition metric, can't get into the cup series. Like they wouldn't give me a cup license. And they go, you know what? Yeah, we know that you're running well, but we, we want to see you like make the playoffs or whatever it is. What, whatever the bar is, right? That I got to clear to get to that level. Okay. Well, my sponsor's probably going to still go to the cup series, right? Well, now that just maybe opens a door for one of those other people that do have a cup license, right? Because that list becomes a lot more exclusive. So, is that bad for me? Yeah, that's bad for me in the moment. Is that better for the sport overall? Yeah, yeah, it probably probably is. Like, right? Like, again, like I think perfect example, like you said, let's do the blind test of this, right? Let's do another guy, friend of mine, and a 
awesome driver. Awesome. Clearly talented enough to be at the cup level, but let's do Kaz Grala. If I just laid out the resume for Kaz Grala with, no, again, don't put his name on it, nothing. If I just said, here's the Kaz Grala stats. He has won a race in the truck series. We all know that he has run up front competitively when he drove for GMS in the truck series. Drove for, um, oh my gosh, I forget the name of the team, but it was the 28 car in Xfinity there for a few years. JGL. Uh, then, uh, JGL. JGL. Yeah. And then went over to uh, his own team with Fury there, kind of built his own thing, ran well with them too. Okay. But if I just laid the stats out, right, just the stats, it would probably be like, what, about 30-ish truck starts and like uh, maybe 20-something Xfinity starts. And if, if I just did that and said, should this person have a cup license? I think purely on that, probably most people would say no. Even though he has won a race, even though he made the playoffs, even all these things, he'd probably go, eh, probably not. Okay, well, what does that say? Because that's a kid that is clearly talented enough to be a Cup Series driver, and we agree is good. But if we were doing it purely on the resume, there you go, ah, I don't know if that's a, a Cup quote-unquote resume. And like that ought to tell you something. And so that's why somebody mouthed off to me a little bit <laughs> in the comments section. When I tweeted last night that, look, everybody would approve a clear pathway to cup license level as a driver. Everybody would approve of this. Yeah. And they were like, well, do you feel like you would be a cup series driver? And I said, no, I don't. And it might baffle the audience to hear me say that, but I just think it should be incredibly, incredibly hard to get. Yeah. Does that mean that I couldn't go get in a car up there and drive? Yeah, absolutely. I think I could. Yes. What I'm looking at is from a NASCAR top-down standpoint, what does it look like that a guy with one career top 10 gets to the Cup Series? And yeah, everybody knows that I have driven for small teams in my own team and a lot of the other challenges and yada, yada. I get it. But what does it look like for the Cup Series, the most prestigious thing, for it to be a guy that's got one career top 10? Again, lay the resume out, right, RJ? Like, I, you probably wouldn't approve me. Yeah. Take the name away. Now, I know that I have a, almost 100 starts in Xfinity. I, I know that I have plenty of experience. That's not the problem. But they would look at that and say, you know what? We probably want more out of the competition metric. One finish in the top 20 in the points. Okay, well, it, maybe that's like three years in a row or something to be the equivalent of one playoff run or something. I, like, I don't know what the metric would be here. It would be a sliding scale, but I feel like, yeah, probably I need to back it up. I need to do it again this year. I need to finish better. I need to probably finish a little higher. Uh, and I don't have a problem with that. So I'm sitting here saying that. And I think every other driver you ever brought on a podcast would say the same thing. Great. Give me the bar. I got to clear. I'm competitive. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get myself in a good car. I'm going to beat these guys. I'm going to stand out and I'm going to be the one that gets to apply fine but right now it's a gray area this whole thing is this weird gray area and like they're they're pretty cool about it right i mean it sounds like i'm talking trash about nascar i'm really not they're usually pretty understanding about what's going on but they felt like they were forced to make a decision this time and it's it's tough because we can debate whether or not it was the right decision what i'm saying is based on the history here yeah, it makes me a little disappointed because it's like, well, I, 
it feels like that should have been a cup license resume based on what we've seen. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, if we're veering towards a new era of this, where we're like, look, we want to see proven uh, performance on the racetrack, and that's what we are going to value more than anything else. Great. What is that? Tell me what it is, and then I'll know what it is, and we'll all know. Because that is something that I would like to do at some point in my life, is, is run a Cup Series race. And if we did these new, you know, hardcore, stringent rules on Cup Series licensing, I would at least know the bar that I had to clear to get there. Like right now, I feel like if I applied, I probably would get a Cup license. Maybe not after this podcast, but I feel like <laughs> I feel like I probably would. You know, but but am I sure? Ah, I don't know. I'd probably have to wait and see. <laughs> and so that's kind of an odd place to be in, RJ. Yeah, and I, and I guess Jennifer Joe was sure she would get approved. You know, the sponsorship deal, right. everything came together, and then all of a sudden she's not approved. You know, and and hey, if if there's a sponsorship issue, we know now how to speak how to fix the sponsorship issues. We just moved the number back on the race car. Then everybody, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, everything's fixed. So I think, yeah, yeah I think it's a JG. It, it's, a, it's a crazy situation. Yeah, and JG Ailey is going to wind up being the sub. And this is again oddball situation. We where the sponsor got announced and they announced it like it happened, and then they had to pull her, and that's tough. And and I'm I'm sad for Jennifer because it is an embarrassing situation to be put in. And and look, she works really hard. Her team is like right across the street from mine. I know what they're dealing with. I know it's hard. This is a great opportunity for her. I, every driver wants to be able to do that at some point, right? If they say they just don't care about it at all, they're lying. Go to the Cup Series and race. That's dream come true stuff. And I hate that that got pulled from her, right? Because, again, it feels like on paper, probably should have been a experience level enough resume to, to be approved to go run. And, and it wasn't. That's fine if it's not, but the follow-up is, okay, what does it take? Give me the rules. Tell me what I got to do to to get approved for this, and then we'll move forward. Yep. Yeah, so we just, yeah, I, I would love that. You know, a set a set of rules, requirements, something, even if it's not like a totally, you know, set, just at least something better, you know, than what we kind of have now, the ideology of what you need, because... You know, with this incident, yeah, Jennifer Joe obviously expected to get approved and she didn't. So obviously there is a little issue there um, where, you know, a driver's understanding of, of who, you know, can get approved. And, and there's probably been other drivers that have applied too. I feel like that, you know, not announced publicly that just got rejected, that maybe thought they would, that just didn't have an official announcement maybe to make at the time. So you never know. But, you know, maybe something uh, that'll help. You get a, a cup license will be a win at, at Talladega in the Xfinity Series <laughs> coming up um, on Saturday. Um, and adjusters on the car, I believe you said last week. So hoping for some redemption after Daytona, even though it was a very strong run. Unfortunately, cut a little short. Um, hopefully, a lot of lot of uh, competition at Xfinity Series field. Your typical plate racers coming back. Uh, I know Caesar Baccarell is coming out again to to race in the 90 i was trying to see if there was anybody who didn't get to race daytona that's racing now but um i don't believe so i know natalie decker is um making her second start of the year at talladega um trying to look through yeah it's basically gray galding i believe did you see that paint scheme they announced it was like the yeah the, that was yeah. that was a cool deal 
pretty cool deal. Yeah. And, and look, what you got going into this, RJ, is a lot of different strategies, right? So let, let me put on my, uh, my strategist hat for a minute here. I'm going to take the driver helmet off yeah. where I just want to go try to run up front and, and lead the laps. All right, let me put on my strategy helmet or my hat, my, my ball cap here for a minute. You got three um, stages. <laughs> yeah, so it's, there's three stages. So we know there's two cautions. So why do I really need to race hardcore in the first two if I'm not trying to grab stage points? Like, that's it. Do you want stage points? Do you need stage points? How bad are you willing to try to go get them? Are you willing to risk your race car? All right, so there's, there's step one, right? But, but more so than that, any Xfinity field specifically, you have got a little bit of little bit of weirdness going on here because some guys back there around that 30 mark in the points that we've talked about on the podcast a lot there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of puckering going on back there uh, as we go into a wild card race at Talladega. I can tell you right now the 44 teams puckering up. Uh, we're sitting 20th in the points, right? But sitting back there closer to that 30th spot that puts you in the bonus. And then from 31st to 36th is the last people that are getting the full paycheck. And then 37th and back is getting five grand. Okay. Out of that, you got some differing strategies, right? Yeah. One version of this is if you're sitting 40th in points, let me, you got to risk it to get the biscuit, right? Like we kind of got to send it. Maybe we got to go up there and try to get some stage points. We got to do something to crawl out of this hole we're in, right? Yeah. We got to go for it. The guys that are sitting there in 34th to like 27th, I think all of them are going into it going, we just can't be in a wreck. <laughs> we just can't be in a wreck. Yeah. And so you're going to see a big chunk of the field being really conservative. And of course, up at the front of the field, you're going to see the guys really dicing up, going for lead, stage points, the whole thing. You're going to get some guys that are running one-offs. You know, uh, somebody like Natalie Decker, somebody like Caesar, like you talked about. Are they going to probably play it safe at the beginning? Yeah. But at the same time, they know like, hey, you know, I'm only running a few races a year. I'm, I'm going to get up in there in the mix when it's when that last stage starts. Yeah, that probably makes sense. So there's just going to be a lot of differing strategies going on. And the joke yeah. that I always made when I was running for BJ McLeod was that we all can't drop to the back. If everybody drops to the back, then we're just going to be in a wreck in the back. And that has happened to me multiple times <laughs> so you're you're kind of looking for this weird spot where you're not around anybody but you can't guess what you can't avoid everybody you just can't so you go into this with a little bit of a strategy and it's like a boxer right like mike tyson yeah. talked about everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth <laughs> and that's how i feel every time i go to talladega we, we go in there with a plan the race starts playing one way maybe it all goes single groove at the top maybe they're dicing it up at the front of the field and they're two three wide Okay, well, we get single file. I'm probably jumping in there. Now, I, I joke around with the single file like, oh, that's safe. How many times have we wrecked running single file? We wrecked the Daytona like three times running single file. We wrecked yeah. Talladega twice last year running single <laughs> file. Again, you're never safe. One of the hardest hits I saw all of last year happened at Talladega. Everybody running single file at the top of the racetrack. And it was the 18 car and Josh Williams. I think he was in the 92 at the time. And it was one of the hardest impacts I'd seen all year. I think the 52 was involved. Cody Vanderbilt. Is that the one in involved. three and four? In three and four, where yeah. the car got spun to the inside, came back up. Oh, yeah. And, and pounded Josh, like basically pinned him into the wall. A huge, huge impact. And it's like, well, we were all running single file. Like, it's safe as you can be. You're never safe. It's, nope. As soon as you think you're safe, you're not. You're doing 200 miles an hour. 
you know, two feet from a fence, you're not safe. So it's interesting. You go into this expecting people to do one thing. They generally zag the other way. I love Talladega. Speedway racing has always been just an absolute pleasure for me. I get the most joy out of it. I love the pace of the race, the way the intensity ratchets up. I feel like it's almost like a baseball game in a little way, right? You're kind of like, you're taking some pitches early on. Okay, you know what? You might get hit by a pitch early on. (laughs) But really, like, we get down to the end and everybody knows what's on the line. Like, everybody knows very clearly that, hey, we've all got a shot at this. And that intensity ratchets up. Those bump drafts ratchet up. That space between the cars closes up. And I think there's just a natural tempo to a speedway race that's a lot of fun, the unpredictability. And I think everybody's just going to have a blast watching Talladega like we always do. Yep. Those those bottom four, at least in owner's points. I mean, you got, yeah, 13. They called up Jason White, who had a great run in the op- season yeah. opener. Um, yeah. He's driving 13. Ryan Vargas, you know, he can make something happen. Uh, the 52, they got a, a big deal on for sponsorship. So it should be fun uh, for those, pick, you know, who listen. A, pick, a, pick a favorite. And we're talking Xfinity here, guys, because I know we're going to wrap up here in a second. But we're talking Xfinity. Pick a favorite and then pick a dark horse. Um, well, favorite, well, for me, favorite, um, going into this, I would have to just go with my gut and say Austin Sindrick, just because he's been up there as of late when at Daytona seemed to really know how the draft was working in Daytona. That was the big thing that I really thought he took from his teammates, Kozlowski and Logano, uh, really knew how the draft was working, was up front a lot. Uh, I believe is probably going to start on the pole this weekend as well. And as for a dark horse, um, Looking through here really quick, I would have to go with, I'd say maybe one, maybe Jer- uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Clemens. Maybe, okay. no, you know what? No, I'm going to go with Brandon Brent. I, I would love to say Brandon Tommy Brown. Jamar. I would love to say Tommy Jamar because I think they're hey, a great dark okay. horse. But I'm going to go with uh, with Brandon Brown is kind of the yeah. dark horse. The six, yeah. I'm going to say, yeah, 68, 44. 51. I would, I would say those three would be very good dark horses for this weekend. I like it. I, I like Alex LeBay as a little bit of a, just a crazy one-off wild dark horse. Yeah. That's a, that's a team that's coming in here knowing they need to be really aggressive to kind of get back in the points. I would say DGM um, in general. All, yeah. All they always bring good speedway cars. Like, but, but I like Alex. Alex has run up there in the front. He's finished in the top 10 at speedway races before um, he's going to be up there mixing it up. And I mean, if I had to pick a favorite, you got to go with one of the call leg cars, right? I mean, it's yeah. they're, they're so, so fast. Um, I would say the favorite for the race would probably have to be either Justin Haley or just or, or Algar or not Algar, but Almendinger. <laughs> they, they put themselves in those positions so many times. Yeah. You just got to think that they're going to do it again. Yeah. All it takes is for them to get together. They always say on the broadcast, if those three call leg cars get lined up, then it's tough. You better watch out. That, yeah, e- better, that ECR power. It's tough to be hard to stop them. But yeah, DJM, DGM, very interesting. I, I'd look uh, for them to have a great race or uh, at Talladega because they've had kind of a rough start to the season. I mean, the 36, one of those bottom five teams in orders points or something you really wouldn't expect. So yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully rebounding at Talladega. So uh Going to be an interesting uh, few races this weekend. Don't forget the ARCA race on Saturday as well. Um, hopefully, I think there's <laughs> always a little, entertaining. little weather on Saturday, I think. Um, yeah, don't curse us. Don't away. curse us, RJ. Don't <laughs> curse us. <laughs> we hope that stays away. So uh, make sure to tune in uh, FS1 and uh, no, Xfinity race on Fox on Saturday. That's right. Four o'clock. So um, appreciate everyone sticking around. We'll probably have some uh, right after this uh, on the podcast to wrap it up and uh We'll be right back.
When a NASCAR weekend comes around, the one thing that we usually hope for most is a nice sunny weekend. And what do you need when the sun comes out? Well, you might need some sunglasses. So might I suggest Canon? Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger. And also Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. So use the exclusive code CANONCAST15 at canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon, clearly better. So as I mentioned earlier in the show and probably later in the show, uh, we were running a little short on time this week, myself and TJM. So we added a little bonus for you uh, at the end of the podcast. Back in February, uh, I did an interview with Tony Breedinger. Uh, she makes her start this weekend uh, at Talladega Super Speedway in the ARCA series. So it's going to be fun to watch. She's one of the rising and up and coming stars, female stars uh, in NASCAR. So give this little interview a listen and uh, we'll see you guys next week. been such a dream come true and i'm always like you know you hear people say like oh like dreams come true if you work hard but like this like is literally like that instance um so i'm really excited i went to the race and went to daytona for my first time last year and i was like man like it would be awesome to race here next year and it was just kind of like a thought in my head like i didn't actually think it was going to happen and this deal came together like pretty fast and like a little bit last minute like i did the test we were going to try to make a decision afterwards after the test so it came together like pretty fast so i'm hyped yeah so it wasn't like because yeah you did have the test where you went down and i mean mm -hmm. how was that test really getting in because that was the first time you'd been on daytona right yeah so that was my first time ever on a track that big and you know you hear people talk about it and obviously like, i asked my team a lot of questions but you don't know what it's like until you actually get on there and it's the craziest feeling but it was a lot of fun yeah and so the deal wasn't really set yet you know when you went on the test it was kind of you were still working on it uh for this exactly season. yeah like we didn't want to really commit to anything before you know getting a feel for the team and all that kind of stuff um so after the test you know i felt like we all vibed good together so we made a deal yeah and that's awesome i mean in that deal you have arca and you haven't um you know because you did compete in arca before but it's been a few years right yeah so it was like 2017 2018 so it's been a little bit and that was a very like kind of short run in ARCA. I didn't have that much stock car experience. I was just kind of like, hey, like, I'm going to go try this. I got this cool opportunity. Um, and then like the past couple of years, I was like, you know, I really want to like refine my craft and late models and just like focus on becoming a better racer before really like making that leap up to the next step. Yeah. And you've, you've really kept yourself busy. I know you've done a lot of, you know, late model racing, mm -hmm. short track racing. Has, has that been good to kind of keep yourself in the, in the racing groove? Oh, for sure. I mean, I like my goal last year was, you know, to like race every weekend. And obviously with COVID that kind of changed things up, but I felt like I was able to get a lot of good races in. Um, I worked with a couple teams that were great. I learned so much. So definitely helps, like, especially just those short tracks. Like the drivers there are real race car drivers. Um, they're aggressive. They've been racing for like 15 to 20 years. And then I'm just kind of showing up, not knowing much. So you kind of have to just pick up on things fast. Um, and yeah, it was really great. Yeah. And do you think you'll still be doing some of that this year? To get yeah, yeah, I definitely want to do that because I feel like it helps, you know, just keep you in the mindset of racing. Um, the short tracks, they go by so much faster. Like you just have to react really fast. Um, and yeah, so I definitely want to keep at that this year. Yeah. Now the truck series, you'll be getting some starts in the truck series this year, which I think is awesome. And 
I know they haven't really announced your races yet. Are there tracks that you're looking at, you know, that you're like, I really want to race here? Um, there's a few tracks I definitely have my eye on that I'd be like, you know, like I've always wanted to race at these tracks. Um, but I'm going to, we're just trying to see like how these first few ARCA races go and kind of decide from there. Cause you know, I don't have, you know, experience on mile and a half tracks. So I might be like, Oh, I actually love mile and a half tracks. Like let's go run those. So we're going to go see how these first few ARCA races play out. Yeah. And I know then, you know, in the future, you know, the goal is probably to keep moving up the ranks. And if you get, you know, say hypothetically, you get in the truck series next year, they got, they got two dirt races on the schedule. Have you ever had an experience on dirt? I have very little experience on dirt and my background in racing is a lot of like USAC midget racing, but on pavement. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people think I come from dirt cause that's a little bit more common, especially out here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, most of my experience is on pavement, but I did do like a little bit of dirt testing over winter. Um, and I had so much fun. I'm like, I want to get back out there and do some dirt racing and all that. Um, so I'm definitely open to doing those dirt races. Yeah. That'll be awesome to see. And for, for next weekend, Daytona, mm -hmm. there's like, I know like there's at least 34 cars entered now. I mean, there's probably more cars that may enter there's going to be a yeah. lot of cars on the racetrack. So yeah. is that, I mean, what, what's the biggest field that you've, I mean, I know you've done the, the short tracks with the late models, but now you're on a giant track. Yeah. Many cars. You excited for that? Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I think that might be the most cars that I ran with um in a race because you know with the short tracks they limit it because the track's yeah. so small you can't just have like 40 cars on the track <laughs> um so i think maybe like the most cars i ran with is like 30 so yeah yeah and you think uh your outlook for the race i mean i know i think you guys will have qualifying for that race we even know yes we should have qualifying so. Have qualifying so is your plan to go right up there and get in the action, kind of lay back, see how things do at the beginning of the race? Because I think it's an 80 lap race, so you'll have time. Yeah, it's definitely a long race. And like the biggest thing that I've heard about Daytona is you have to be patient. Like I've heard that so much. Um, so I'm like, I definitely want to be patient, but I don't want to be running towards the back of the field. Because if something happens like mid pack and you have to like dodge all those cars, I'd rather just be ahead of all that stuff. Um, so, you know, if I could like stay within like the top 15 during the race, I feel like we'll be in a good position towards the end of the race for sure. Yeah. And during that test that you did, um, probably about a month ago to mm -hmm. now, um, were you able to, you were able to get some kind of tests in the draft a little bit, right? Um, we actually didn't really do any drafting practice. So I had a teammate that went out the first day and then I did the second day and a lot of people just left, um, during the second day, like they got everything done the day before. So I was like, Hey, I don't really have anyone to draft with. Um, but I think we're going to get a practice before this race and hopefully I can get a feel for that draft a little bit more. Yeah. So how's it been at, uh, Young's Motorsports? I know you got this new deal and there's, um, guys over there, you know, I know, you know, Spencer Boyd drives for them in trucks. You got um, Tate Fogelman and all these guys over Young's Motorsports. I mean, how's, how's that been joining their team and their program? I love them. Like we got a few deals um, that kind of came about before we decided to commit with this team. Um, so I was just kind of, you know, like talking with different teams and I just wanted to go with the one that I felt like I really just vibed with the most. And everybody at Young's Motorsports is so awesome. I love my crew chief, my teammates, everybody there, Tyler, they've all been so great. Like you just, I feel like I'm part of a family and I haven't even done a race with them yet. Yeah. And those will be, you know, people that you'll have to lean on depending on, you know, what races you choose. I know, uh, Chris Wright 
you know, the road course uh, specialist. He's yeah. doing some races for them. And I, I, I think I just talked to him last week mm-hmm. and he said he's going to have to lean on everyone else for oval experience. So I imagine you'll probably have to do the same. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, all the guys on the team are great and I feel like they all have really great driving experience. So I'll definitely be asking them some questions and leaning on them a little bit. Now, have you had any road course experience yet? Um, so actually the first race car that I ever drove was on a road course and that was kind of just coming from, um, go-karts. I started at Sonoma Raceway, the go-kart track up there, and that was a road course. So when I was a kid, I traveled to a bunch of different tracks that were all road courses. I didn't get onto an oval track until I was maybe like 14 or 15. And to me, that was weird. I was like, why am I on an oval right now? Like I'm used to turning left and right. Um, so always like as a kid, like I thought I was going to do like IndyCar, um, and like do road courses and all that kind of stuff. And then I saw my first stock car race. I was like, yeah. I'm going to go NASCAR racing. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, for you, I know you, f- you probably feel like you're just getting started, right? Like there's a long road ahead of you of, of things you can do in the sport. Oh, exactly. I mean, I, you know, like people were like, Oh, like you've gone so far, you've achieved so much. I'm like, I feel like I haven't achieved anything. There's a long list of things that I still want to do. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So the, I mean, the ultimate goal for everybody is to end up in the Cup Series, right? Oh, for Someday. sure. I mean, I want to end up there, but I also want to win at that level. So I mean, it'd be cool to get there, but I don't want to just stop there. Yeah. So I know for for Arca, you know, you're running, you know, most of the races, or um, at least a good handful of races. Um, are there tracks on the Arca schedule that you're looking forward to? Have you been to some of the tracks on the Arca schedule before? I the only track that I've been to is Phoenix. Um, so I raced there, I think I raced there a couple times. Um, so that's really the only track that I'm familiar with. All the other ones, um, will be all new to me. So I'm excited. So you think it's, it's probably pretty good that you guys will have at least a few practice, you know, sessions, laps, uh, before races, so you can kind of get oh, the feeling. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely going to be helpful. Even just like a few laps around the track. I'm like, I'm grateful for that. So, yeah. yeah so you got Daytona, you got talladega too are you are you planning on racing talladega for arca yes yes so that should be interesting i have like my mind so set on daytona right now i'm not thinking about anything else but as soon as that's done i'm going to be thinking about all the other tracks and kind of prepping for those so you've been to were you mentioning that you were at daytona last year to watch uh the races yes i did i didn't watch the 500 i watched xfinity um and that was a good race so yeah that was my first time ever at that track so now you're there racing and one year later. Yeah, it's so crazy. Like when I showed up for the test, I was like, it was just wild. I was like, I can't believe I'm actually doing it. Still, like when I went to the shop yesterday and I saw my name on the car, I'm like, I still, it doesn't feel real yet. Like once I'm probably taking the green flag, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is real now. But it's so yeah. crazy. And it'll be crazy too, because you guys will usually, um, the ARCA series, you know, in the past races on the weekend of the clash, you know, mm-hmm. before any of the other teams get there. So you guys will be there with the everybody else i mean the truck well yeah. the truck series would have just uh they race friday night but you'll have the xfinity race right after you have yeah. cars in the garage i mean that'll be cool to be there with you know a jam-packed you know yeah i know it's gonna be wild it's definitely gonna feel like the real deal for sure yeah and uh is there anybody you know xfinity, is there a chance you walk around see some xfinity guys some cup guys look for some pointers or anything like that um you know i feel like i have like a good team around me i don't when i'm at the track i don't usually go and like talk to other teams um i kind of just like stay in like my bubble with my team um 
But yeah, I mean, there's like so many great drivers in the Xfinity series and I know a few of them. So definitely kind of ask them a little bit of questions and yeah. see if I can get their help a little bit. So, you know, let's look towards the end of the year, the year's ending. What, what do you think your goals are now that you hope to kind of look back on towards the end of the year that you hope you've uh, accomplished this year? Um, honestly, like my biggest goal for ARCA is to learn enough to where I feel like I can move up to the truck series next year um, and perform well enough to where I feel confident to do that. I would love to do a full season of trucks next year. That's the goal. So this year for me is obviously I want to perform well in ARCA and get good finishes, but I want to be able to learn things to apply for next year. Yeah. If you made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Drivers Meeting Podcast today, wherever you may be, and hope you stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm not your stepping stone. I'm not your stepping stone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.